You see them often, maybe every day, maybe far less often. They open your car doors at carpool. They wave hello as you drive in. They teach classes, they coach, advise, they lead, they write, they inspire. They keep the facilities humming, the bills paid, the food served hot and delicious, and so much more. But how much do we really know about each other? Everyone here at Shadyside Academy has a story, and in learning other stories, we can create a more connected and inclusive community. I'm Chad Green, Dean of Student and Residential Life at the Senior School. And I'm Lauren Lieberman, Director of College Counseling. Welcome to Beyond Hello, a podcast production bringing you stories from the people who shape our community. Wow, well, that was fun, Chad. That was really fun. fun. I'm so glad we were able to get Tammy to do this with us this morning. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, I, um, you know, one thing that she talked about that, that really struck me is what I will imagine as maybe more of an unintended consequence to a decision that was made uh, to merge with Country Day. And then that same theme was picked up later is just how when you make choices or when somebody makes a choice for you, you can't always see what is to come of it and how she mm-hmm. talked about the that experience just making her world so much bigger. And I'm, I'm certain that you can never see what that's gonna be until you're in it. And then kind of how she talked about coming to Pittsburgh and having, seeing a kosher grocery store and being in Squirrel Hill and seeing things she had read about come to life. Um, Just, you know, how we have these experiences and we don't necessarily know which ones are gonna be the ones that open up this huge world to us, but they have such a profound impact. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I her spirit is is really incredible. And and the, you know, I think she takes that sense of discovery and she, with real intention, creates opportunities for all of the kids that she works with to experience those kinds of things, right? So she talked about, I mean, one line that stood out to me was that, you know, she was talking about being the line counter and and um, making sure that every kid has a chance to shine. And it just struck me that she's just such a great example of somebody who really leads with empathy and understanding and engages kids in a way that I can imagine is really personal uh, and individualized um, and, and and impressive at the end of the day. And I loved, I also just loved her challenge to us all. I mean, I think particularly in these times where we're not able, I mean, one of the things that I'm really missing personally in the COVID-19 kind of quarantine era, right, is the just the the hallway banter and the running into people. And I'm realizing just how much actual real important communication happens in those little moments during the day. And when we don't have that, I think it's pretty easy and everything's happening over email and stuff. It's pretty easy to assume the worst, frankly. And, and so that reminder is just so key. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's a great, a great reminder all of the time, but, but particularly in these circumstances, just to make sure that we are assuming the best in others. Um, it'll, you know, I think that's, that's something to, 
certainly aspire to. Um, but what a great, yeah, what a great interview. The Shady Side is is lucky to, lucky to have Tammy, so it's a lot of fun. I know. I feel like every every week we have the same part of the dialogue, but every week it seems to be proven true and true again um, that the students at Shady Side are lucky to have these people, and how lucky are we to get to yeah. interview them in this way and bring it bring it out to others? Absolutely. Good morning and welcome to the next episode of Beyond Hello. We are again recording via Zoom from home in this new quarantine life and we are so happy to have with us our guest, Tammy Fire. Tammy, welcome to Beyond Hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. Well, as I um, just mentioned to you, I'm particularly looking forward to this episode because unlike some of the other friends we've interviewed, I really don't know that much about your story. So I think we're gonna launch right in. Um, can you tell us who you are and what you do here at SSA? My name is Tammy Fire, and I am the music and theater arts teacher at Shadyside Academy Country Day School. And tell us a little bit about how your journey to Shadyside. How did you get here? I was a performance major in college, voice performance, and met my husband there. And after college, uh, we got married and started singing all throughout Pittsburgh and did the couple times a year trip to New York to audition. And we were really on the performance mode of things when I got involved with Opera Theater of Pittsburgh's outreach program to schools and began performing children's operas in schools and found that I loved it more than anything. Uh, just, I remember one performance where none of our requirements were met for <laughs> performing standards. So we would send these letters to the schools saying, you gotta have a stage that's this big, we'll need a curtain, we'll need a place to change costumes because there's a troupe of three people doing nine roles and none of it was there. And so we're scrambling to put different things up so that we can change behind this bulletin board and we can make our entrances from behind this tuba case or whatever it was. And, uh, and the kids were in the performance space. So we would be stepping over children to walk out into the middle of where we were supposed to sing. And in opera land, uh, that would have been just unthinkable. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And that was the day I went home and I said to my husband, Robert, I, I need to get my teaching certificate. I need to be able to do this all the time. So I went back to school for a year and a half to get my uh, teaching certificate and student teach and had a wonderful mentor at Carnegie Mellon. That's where I did my undergrad and got my certification. And he sent me an email um, to this little school, which was at the time called Fox Chapel Country Day School and said, uh, they're looking for a music teacher. I think you'd be perfect for it. And we were living in the North Hills at the time, and it was a half hour drive to school, to country day school, which at that time, I felt like all commutes needed to be less than 15 minutes or more than two hours. Half an hour didn't make sense to me. So I'm driving over with the attitude, I'm gonna work here, he's too far away from home, right? You know, I'll take the interview for practice. And I got there and I just fell in love. And I think I got hired the next day 
by the then head of school, Bob Kirkpatrick. And that was 17. I mean, I was hired almost 18 years ago. Wow. So yeah. And uh, when I first started at Country Day, I was, the music program was very different then um, as far as scope and um, requirements and things. And so I was an assistant pre-K teacher with Sharon Smith for three years in pre-kindergarten um, before switching over to uh, full-time music. The program had grown enough at that time. Um, so yeah, I'm super blessed. I love it there. I tried to quit once. I couldn't. Um, <laughs> I think that really tells you something, right? You're like, I'm going to quit and just take care of my family for a while. And I didn't quit all the way. And then I came back and back and back. And here I am. <laughs> so you teach every grade and do a production or like what is what, what does that actually look like you do depending on what time of year it is and what grade level it is I see children anywhere from two to five times per week for music classes and for rehearsals for our programs we do a lot of sharing programs that feature every student in the school with an equitable speaking part I'm big on that I'm a line counter all the way no child has ever said, I was so glad I was the tree. You know, Polly got to be up in front and she got to wear a wig and say 17 lines. I was real happy with my one line. It was real fulfilling. You know, no, that's not acceptable at the school level. So I'm a line counter and I make sure that every kid gets a chance to shine. I mean, we don't do that in math, right? We're not like you get, I, mean, I hope we're not. You get, to, um, you get to solve two equations, you get to do 14, and I'm gonna give most of my attention to you. You know, we don't do that with any other subject. So I feel the same way really strongly about music and the arts, that every kid needs a chance to, to experience what it's like to be front and center and yeah. share your thoughts and feelings and ideas with an audience. Because we're really big on communication and the back and forthness of a musical and theatrical um, program. I really hate the word performance at the elementary level because we really emphasize the community nature of what we do. So we try to use the word program as much as possible, even though there are performance elements to it. But we have an autumn program that features the fourth graders and the holiday program features the third graders and the uh, early childhood program called Let's Play features all the early childhood and uh, spring program features the fifth graders and then first and second grade each share a musical based on their curriculum. And I write all the musicals wow. for uh, first and second and early childhood. I write the script and all the music for the holiday program and the spring program. I write the script and incorporate existing music because it's just too big. Those are all school programs mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's too much for me to write all the music for that and teach less, you know, teach the classes through the week. Yeah. Wow. So you talked a little bit about how things have changed since you got here. Um, what, what do you love most about being at SSA right now? Obviously the school has changed a little bit or more than a little bit. Um, the times have changed. Music education has changed. What, what are you loving most about right now? Um, you know, when our school became part of Shadyside Academy, uh, it was nothing but good, good upon top of good for me and for my family. And so the idea of having colleagues, uh, Emily Fields and Kristen Otto and, 
and Ian Hughes and Randy Broker and Jeff Gross and Stan Nivola and, and who am I missing? Dan Brill and um, uh, I don't think I missed anybody, but just these, these music colleagues and, and Dana and um, you know, Camille McRae and Dana at the, at the high school, just these music and theater colleagues that I didn't have before. I had to have such, uh, I had to make such effort to connect with other music and theater teachers. And now they're right there, you know, and the opportunities for, and this is going to sound like, this is going to sound like an advertisement or something, but it's just so true. The opportunities for continuing education and professional development are amazing. You know, I got to go to the People of Color Conference with Lillian Great uh, last, last fall, and it, it fundamentally uh, altered my, my music teaching. It took it took things that I had an inkling of and made them foundational to what I do. And, you know, we just didn't maybe have that opportunity before as a smaller school. And so I just find it, the world is so much bigger. That's, that's the thing I love. The world is so much bigger and, and being part of that continuous flow all the way from junior pre-K through senior, you know, and I can say, that's my school. That's, that's, those are the kids that I taught and they're still part of this community. And that's really exciting for me because I like the people. So, yeah. <laughs> well, let, Tammy, let's back up a minute. And um, I'm wondering a little bit about, tell us what, what were you like as a student in, in, I guess, because you're at the elementary level, I guess I'm start there maybe, but what were you like as a student? This, I was like this. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> It's a plus and a minus that much of my brain is still eight years old because a 46 year old woman really should not weep tears of abject sorrow when you let go of a helium balloon, but I will. <laughs> that's, you know, that's just, that's just, I can't really get when the kids are hurting about something because I feel the same way, but I had really big feelings when I was in elementary school and I assumed that everybody else was experiencing music the same way I was. My husband is a musician and we laugh about this all the time. We were listening to a piece of music the other day, a piece of classical music that has mixed meter in it. So it goes from one sense of pulse to another. And we were discussing about when we first heard that particular piece of music. And I said it was when I was in elementary school, probably third or fourth grade and it drove me to distraction because up until that point, all of the pieces of music I had played were always one meter. Mm. And I couldn't figure this out, you know, and I have a very vivid, rem vivid remembrance of that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I loved playing, I love playing music. Jeff Kindig and Mr. Hall, who was so um, revered in my mind that I don't even remember his first name, but Mr. Yeah. Hall taught elementary music and he had to wheel his piano, not his keyboard, his big upright piano. He wheeled it from classroom to classroom, you know, because you had music in your classroom. Wait, so he had an upright piano upright on wheels piano and he on would casters, yep. wheel it around the school. Yes, with a cardboard box of instruments on top that you hoped, you hoped he would lift off the piano because if he lifted them off the piano, it meant you were gonna play them that day. But if they stayed on the piano, it meant no instruments for you. And that was sad. 
And then Mr. Kindig taught me saxophone in fourth grade and I fell in love. I'd already played piano at that point and, and I liked playing piano, but when I started playing saxophone, that's when I went, holy macaroni, this instrumental music is for me. So oh, fun. Well, yeah. so you, you've already made reference to this in terms of how you transitioned from, from voice performance to teaching, but development in general, right, is not, it's not a linear thing. It, it, it sure. gets messy. Um, and have, I guess I'm curious about, are there, have there been times where you've felt a sense of, of failure? And maybe that's too strong a word, but, you know, have the, where along the way, have there been times where you really questioned yourself? Uh, what time is it? <laughs> if you can tell me the precise hour right now, I can tell you how many minutes ago I questioned myself. Right. So, right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you know, starting all the way back in elementary school, I played the saxophone because my family had one mm. and we couldn't afford uh, two instruments. I have a twin sister and my sister and I, my parents were very upfront and said, hey, one of you gets to play the saxophone and one of you gets to play another instrument that we can rent from the school. And I felt very strongly that I wanted to play that shiny saxophone and my sister said, okay, and she took violin. But then um, in middle school, when I was really falling in love with classical music and realized that the scope of classical music for a saxophone is pretty narrow. Uh, I felt that I had made totally the wrong choice. You know, I should have strong armed my sister into playing the saxophone so I could have played an orchestra instrument. Uh, same thing that in, in high school with, with going to voice, you know, these scheduling, scheduling issues in a high school. You couldn't take all of the choral and band classes that I wanted to take anyway, plus the music theory and all those things, you had to cut something out. And so there was that sense of, oh, I shouldn't have taken that, I should have taken this. And, and of mm -hmm. course it's, it's all good. <laughs> you know, that's the overarching right. thing, right? You question these things, you think, I failed it, I've messed it up now, and, and, and those kind of things. Are, uh, there, are there things that you're doing now, though, that, that you didn't think you'd be doing just a few years ago? There, yes, and vice versa, um, especially when I think of things that I did early in my teaching career, songs that I taught because they were taught to me, and I didn't know uh, their history, and I didn't know that of all the wide pantheon of music I could be teaching children, um, let's not teach them a song that's pretty racist at its core, you know, let's not teach a song that, you know, pretty much teaches some values we don't want to imbue in our kids. And in that respect, things have really changed because I feel my level of naivete and ignorance at the beginning of my teaching career was, it was great with this one. <laughs> is that from Star Wars? The force is strong with this one. Yeah, the ignorance was strong with this one. So there was that. But uh, right now, I think the most astonishing thing to me is that I'm using technology that was created after the 19th century in my music classes. And that's because of the current situation with the pandemic. Uh, I have always been really afraid of, on a, on a philosophical level and on a practical level, of bringing electronics into the music room because darn it, I want us thumping on drums and singing and folk dancing, but now this 
forced separation has required me to incorporate other things into my teaching, um, communication tools, online bulletin boards, things like that. And my eyes are open to, I could have been using this stuff for years to relate to students in a different way. There are students who will open up more in a virtual bulletin board than they will face to face. Right. That, that is something that I heard. <laughs> I heard the wonderful technology experts at our school say, and I nodded my head in agreement in faculty meetings and didn't do a darn thing about it. Yeah, and now that I'm forced to use it, I'm going, oh my word, this is, this is a part of what I do from now on because it's yeah. a different way to connect. It'll it's be, not inferior. It's just it'll different. Be, it'll be really interesting to see th that acro across the board of teaching. You know, what, yeah. what, what will people, what will teachers take with them? What will students take with them from this experience and yeah. incorporate into the more brick and mortar kind of operations in ways that we didn't maybe think we would have uh, previously? Right. So we've touched on this a little bit, but I mean, it's clear that all of us in this sort of forced separation and this setup that is so uncomfortable for so many of us are really wrestling with a lot of things. I mean, this, this time and separation, I think, forces you to look at kind of some big existential things, but also, you know, wrestling with I don't know, like, how do I actually put three meals a day in front of my children or whatever those like little things are. What are one or two things that you're wrestling with right now? It can be as, as grandiose, as existential, or as minor, as like really another dish in the sink. Uh, maybe, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm putting my own things in here <laughs> a little bit too much. Um, and then maybe what are, what are one or two things that are keeping you feeling really hopeful about the future? Sure. Well, I'll never get worried about a dish in the sink because I am just a slob. I mean, I just, I couldn't care less what's piled around me as long as I have someone to talk to or write a letter to or connect with in some way. So uh, everything else can wait. But that being said, obviously this is a hard time for that because video, uh, video conferencing, video seeing people is nowhere near like being in person. And the Creighton Runette, the counselor from the senior school, you know, he explained it so wonderfully in a meeting I was in with him saying our, our eyes and our senses and our ears, they're trying to read what we would read in person and they can't and it's causing frustration and even physical exhaustion. And I find that with when I am online with the kids, um, I find myself searching their faces online and and somehow trying to through the force of my eyeballs on the screen tell them I love you I miss you I wish we could be together um, so that that is definitely the hardest part and then at a big existential level and and this might be too personal but I, I'll go there because that's who I am um, <laughs> I assume the worst when I can't get feedback fairly regularly. And it's one of the great things about working in a community like Country Day is you get regular feedback from students, from families you see at drop off and pick up, from Janice Manga, our head of school, from other teachers and colleagues and 
and things and just those interactions throughout the day. And so I can easily get into a place where on a Wednesday afternoon, I go, all my colleagues hate me. The teachers that I work with regret that they had to work at a school with me. <laughs> the students I teach are scarred forever. <laughs> and I'm probably going to get fired tomorrow. And then thankfully, I have a boss that I can write to and say, hey, I'm not getting fired. So right back and say, no, no, I, I, unless there's something I don't know about, um, we're not <laughs> planning to fire you. Um, which just, you know, that whole scenario speaks to my great sense of self-centeredness <laughs> that I would think that I'm even mattering on anyone else's radar at the moment. But yeah, I thrive on feedback. So, so that's hard. What gives me hope for the future totally is the level of neighborly and family connections that are being forcibly built up at this time. The, I live in Aspenwall and um, the fact that our borough has so many structures in place for mm -hmm. connecting people with means to get out and about to people who have to remain housebound no matter what um, and, and helping people with groceries and, and just the kinds of things that that neighbors used to do for each other all the time mm -hmm. in like a small town where I grew up, but now we don't necessarily have that sense of neighborliness. And this crisis has forced it, I think in a lot of places and we're seeing it around here, you know, you walk up and down the street and there are so many people out safely social distanced, mm -hmm. but out and waving and how are you and hollering across the street do you need anything mm -hmm. you know and and personally at school just seeing i was i was so thrilled all the emails that went out and all the communication what do you need what do you need what do you need to distance learn what can we do to help you how can we help you and then quite frankly for me stuff like it's a Sounds silly, but you know, they're doing this pizza pickup for teachers and employees and stuff next week at school. And somebody had to organize all that and somebody had to plan it and somebody has to pay for it. And all just to give us a little sense of, hey, we're still together. We're, we're still in this. Yeah. Um, I, I know I'm a sucker, but I'm a sucker for that stuff. I, I love it. I think yeah. it really deeply matters. Um, yeah. And so that gives me hope. I, I, I don't I don't think you're alone and I think it takes a lot of different ways to connect <laughs> and um, connecting through food is, you know, that's a real that's a real thing for sure. Tammy, you mentioned that, that you grew up in a small town. Where did you grow up? Red Lion, Pennsylvania. It's just 15 minutes outside of York City. And uh, basically, if you drive the turnpike to Harrisburg and turn right, you'll get to my house, so. Okay. Yeah. And so was Pittsburgh the closest big city? Is that how you ended up coming? I came to Pittsburgh, oh, I love this. I came to Pittsburgh when I was a junior in high school and brag alert, brag alert, <laughs> shameless self-promotion. <laughs> I became the first person from Red Lion High School to qualify for all Eastern Chorus. So that's wow. from around the Eastern Seaboard and my, um. Talk about back in the day. Can you imagine this happening now? My choir director, who was male, drove me alone out to Pittsburgh in the school van, and we had the best time. I got to ride <laughs> shotgun. I got to choose music. 
We stopped at rest stops and bought Twizzlers. <laughs> and we drove into Pittsburgh and we came through Squirrel Hill. And this is going to sound so crazy, but I grew up reading this awesome series of books called All of a Kind Family. I don't know if anybody else nope. has read them. It's about a family growing up on the Upper East Side in New York, Jewish family, and I had fallen in love with um, historical Judaism, even though I'm not Jewish myself, and uh, went on to read The Chosen and, and just any kind of book I could get my hands on. We drove up through Squirrel Hill and I saw my first kosher grocery store and I cried <laughs> because <laughs> there is no such thing in Red Lion as a kosher grocery store. And to me, it was like seeing something come true out of a fairy tale. And I know how weird that sounds. But I was like, what is this place that has a grocery store with Hebrew lettering in the window? This is awesome. You know, and then we came to Pittsburgh for this choral festival and we were never allowed out of the hotel because teenagers, but from my hotel window, and I can't remember what hotel it was, but it was downtown. And I could see Pittsburgh and I just, I fell in love with the city. And then in, when I was, uh, uh, goodness, I guess that summer I got, um, you know, you start getting all those, it started later then. It wasn't freshman year you started getting <laughs> college postcards. It was later back in the day. Yeah. So it was the summer of junior year. I, just, I got a postcard from Carnegie Mellon University that I had never heard of before, but Robert Page was the choral director there. And see, Robert Page used to come to Hershey Arena every winter and conduct a community all-sing of Handel's Messiah. And I thought it was the most elegant, refined, cultured event, singing Handel's Messiah in a sports arena. Classical music. That's awesome. He taught choral music at Carnegie Mellon. And so I thought, well, I have to investigate this place because Robert Page is there. And so I went to CMU and I stayed ever since. But um, um, what a good story. All right. So that's actually a good transition to uh, our lightning round because the first question in the lightning round is what is your, and this is like a good, I mean, this is, I hadn't thought about the fact that we're asking a music teacher this, so I'm really looking forward to your answer, but what is your, your sort of walkout or get psyched song? Joy to the world by Isaac Watts. (laughs) Yes. The Christmas Carol. Nice. Preferably with full orchestra and the fanfare lead-in. Okay. That's it. Good. Uh, How about a favorite food or the best thing you've eaten? Peanut butter, um, Smucker's natural peanut butter on a rice cracker with chocolate chips on the top. Mm -hmm. Yes. A book you've read recently and enjoyed? (laughs) Habakkuk, which is one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament of the Bible, but I can't put Habakkuk down. Maybe I just like saying Habakkuk, but Habakkuk. <laughs> it's true. Okay. It's fascinating. It's an awesome oh. book. I I do not doubt you. As as somebody who spent my a fair amount of time um, reading the Hebrew Bible as well, I I can respect that. Um, one thing that you have changed your mind about. Um, universal basic income, or what's it called? Yeah, I used to think it was a terrible idea. I think it's a great idea. Okay. And finally, uh, what is your superpower, if you could have one, or what maybe what is your superpower slash secret weapon? Okay, the superpower I wish I had was restraint. 
that is deeply lacking. So I wish I had a superpower of restraint or perhaps just an iron bar that came across my mouth at opportune moments. Um, That's good. My other, but the, super, the superpower that I do have, and, and maybe this, this is still coming in handy at school, I guess. When, when I had little kids, um, I, never, I never got tired of them like being around and I still don't get tired of little kids being around. I like little kids. And um, like when you have toddlers and friends of mine would say, just everyone stop touching me. And I've never in my life said, no, no more hugs. <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you can't climb up on my lap and I'll sing you a lullaby, no. So that's my superpower. So I need to like, when I retire, I need to go hold babies somewhere. Yeah, um, I, that's incredible to me uh, <laughs> in, this, in these quarantine weeks where even though my children are not toddlers anymore, um, we're just together so much. And yes. in some ways they have like almost reverted to some of their toddler behaviors. But so have I. Like the other day when I had in my shower both a balloon and a bakugan, I almost lost my mind. So yes. I think... Um, if you could share your power with me, Tammy, I could use a little of that right now. Yeah, if you have 30 seconds, I just have to tell you how funny that is with the little kid. I don't think of myself as somebody who likes children. Like that always sounds weird to me. It sounds cannibalistic, right? I like children, toasted. Like, no, I don't. So I never say like, well, I like children because that sounds like a child snatcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. But I guess I kind of do enjoy spending time with children really because during this quarantine, I went out um, to record some video lessons for my classes outdoors, and I've ended up holding like street music jams with little kids around, you know? And one day my kids woke up, sort of like, where's mom? And then my older son said he heard me outdoors <laughs> singing with children I did not know. And I went, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's awesome. Your neighborhood's so lucky to have you. So our final question, and this is um, sort of of all, of all of our guests, what is one actionable personal challenge for our listeners? Something you would challenge us all to do better in this community? Uh, this is so great because it's been hit home from our president um, of Shadyside Academy and from my own personal head of school at Country Day. And it's something that I take as a challenge because it's difficult for me. And I think if we all took it as a challenge, things would be smoother. And that really is to assume the best. Assume any email you get, any text you get, any picture you see, assume the best intentions from the other person until proven otherwise. <laughs> because if you frame it that way, then your response, my response is better and encourages you know, positivity. So as somebody who frequently assumes the worst, I really appreciate that reminder to assume, assume this is a good thing until someone gets in your face and says, Mrs. Fire. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a really good one. That's a really good a really good challenge for all of us, and something that uh, definitely I can I can relate to, and uh, I yeah. know lots of our lots of our colleagues can relate to. So, 
Well, Tammy, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for, for joining Thank us. Thank you. I hope you don't regret it. <laughs> Not for one moment. Not Thank for a you, second. Tammy. This was super fun for a podcast junkie. I feel like this is my make-a-wish moment, you know, like, <laughs> I guess I'm a podcast. This is fantastic. All right. Thank you. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond Hello. There's no greater way for us to understand one another in our worlds than to connect through our stories and experiences. Be sure to check out the highlights and details from each conversation in the episode notes. You can also drop us a line at beyondhellopodcast at gmail.com to share your thoughts and ideas with us. We'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to all who have helped us with this project including, but not limited to, James Knox for his technical production expertise, Chase Maybald, Shadyside Class of 2018, and Mason Tomlin, Shadyside Class of 2020 for music production, Nancy Wang, Shadyside Class of 2021 for our artwork, and the countless hosts of various podcasts that have inspired us to step up and create one of our own. I'm Lauren Lieberman. And I'm Chad Green. And we thank you sincerely for going with us beyond hello.